Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Limitless Leadership Podcast. My name is Tim Alford. I'm part of the Limitless team, and I will be your host for today's conversation. But just before we get into that conversation, I want to let you know about a training opportunity that's just around the corner for youth and children's ministry teams. It's on the 10th of October. It's online. It's absolutely free. And it is called Limitless Oxygen. We've got John Mark Comer from Bridgetown Church. We've got Pete and Laura Toggs, who are the global pastors of Hillsong Youth around the world. And Ken DeCreasy Dean from Princeton Theological Seminary, plus a whole load more besides. I think the topics are going to be really relevant and engaging for the challenges that you and I are encountering in youth ministry right now. So I really want to encourage you and your team and the children's ministry team at your local church to get involved in that. As I say, it's absolutely free, but you do have to register. So head to limitlesselim.co.uk forward slash oxygen to download the program, find out all the details and to register your place. It's going to be a great day of input and training. I really think it's going to help us. But for now, let's get on with the podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Limitless Leadership Podcast. Uh, this is the second part of a, I don't know how many part series. Hundreds. <laughs> Looking at the brand new uh, Youth for Christ research called the Z2A of spirituality. And we had a great conversation last time out with Laura Hancock. And Laura's here again. Laura, welcome back. Hello. Welcome uh, to me. Welcome to you. And, uh, <laughs> and, and last time, Laura, we, we, we just began to get into this research. Uh, and we just talked about one of the key findings for a long time. And that was... Um, to do with spiritual awareness and it triggered all kinds of interesting thoughts and and reflections and i'd really yeah. encourage you if, if you missed that last episode uh, then, then go back in your podcast feed and download it now uh because you're going to want to hear that conversation really just some uh, really helpful uh, uh reflections from laura and uh, really helpful stats coming out of the out of the uh, yfc research there but this time uh, we're going to talk about the character of god laura yeah Yes, and we we're are. Gonna, we're going to talk about uh, how young people reflected on, on the character of God. And yeah. uh, there were some encouraging things here, weren't there? I know last yeah. time in, in our last conversation, there were some disheartening things. Yes. Um, as well as some positive things. But, but actually, as you asked young people uh, about the character of God, mm. some really uh, positive things came out of that that we can reflect on today. So, so Laura, give, give us some headlines. What were some of the key findings around the character of God? Yeah, so I think um, one of the things that really stood out to us was around uh, how young people process the world around them. Um, if you listen to our last podcast, you will know that it's not that young people aren't spiritually aware or spiritually interested. Um, I think actually young people are really interested in the spiritual realm. Um, a lot of young people don't think about it, but um, it's not that they don't necessarily believe that anything greater than themselves exists. But I think um, as we look at this, the first standout finding really was young people trying to measure up the pain and brokenness and suffering that they see in the world around them uh, compared to a God existing that is supposedly all powerful and uh, loving. Um, so that was probably one thing that was interesting. Uh, the young people did throw a bit of a curveball, though. I didn't see it coming uh, when we asked the questions, but we, all, we began to ask the young people to process how they think God feels about them and uh, also around the character of God and how they see the character of God. And that was surprisingly positive compared to the questions that they had to ask God or, or the things that they were reflecting on that stopped them believing in God. Um, yeah, and so, so for, I guess the headline for all of this is that I don't know that they uh, would question God existing, but would maybe have some questions about what God is like. Okay, well, let's get into the detail then. First up, mm. what, what, what did young people say about, about that, about what God is like, his nature and his character? Uh, tell us the questions that you asked and, and how they reflected on them. Yeah, so we're starting positively here, hey? Yes. So um, <laughs> start with a bit of hope. Um, so uh, when we ask the young people, what do you think God thinks or feels about you? 27% uh, of young people said that he loves me. So the, the heavy weighting really on the percentages was the positive. 27% um, as I say, saying he loves me. 20% that I have value. 
16% of young people said that he likes me, 15% said that he's interested in me, 14% said that he's proud of me. Um, the only comparable high stat, there's a neutral one really, which was just that God doesn't think or feel about me, uh, which is sad to hear. Um, but equally, as I say, that the majority were very positive in how they think God feels about them. Yeah, uh, so so, that, so that's really in, encouraging, doesn't it? Because, yes. I, isn't it? Because I think sometimes we have this view that that young people think that you know God is a bully or or pernicious or you know whatever it, it it may be. But you know what that research is showing is that actually their view of God and His character and His nature is much more positive than that. And, and yeah. that's a great place to start. Yeah, yeah, it is. And um, I think. I think it, it interests me where they've heard this. I think that that's that was my biggest takeaway when I saw that. I thought that's interesting. Who's told you that? Um, mm. Because as and we'll come on to it, but the, through some of the processing that the young people have done around pain and suffering and the world and brokenness, for this to be their narrative of how God used them, uh, I found that fascinating. And so I thought, whose voice is that? Is that a youth worker's voice? Is that yeah? I don't know. Is that a um, a strong voice of self-esteem I, I don't know um but yeah I found it really intriguing and what's very intriguing to me is that they seem to have this good uh idea of of, of the nature and the character of God but it doesn't seem to tally with the questions they would ask of God or the no. reasons that they would struggle to believe in God yeah. so tell us some of the questions that you asked there and some of the stats that came out of it Okay, yeah, that's fine. And then after that, let's go back onto the character of God, because again, that's interesting in comparison. So okay. um, when we um, ask the young people, what are the main things that make it difficult for you to believe in God? So this was asked of all of the young people that said that they didn't believe in a supernatural being or power greater than themselves. A lot of young people said they didn't know, but the top answer beyond that was 18% um, of young people saying because so many bad things happen. Um, Again, we then asked the question, if you could ask God one serious question, what would it be? Again, a lot of people said they didn't know, but then the most popular after that was, why do you let people die? Why is there so much bad or evil in the world? Why do you let people suffer? Uh, why do bad things happen to good people? Why are there wars? Um, all of these kinds of questions. Um, and, so, and, and, and all of those, Laura, and this really stood out to me in the original presentation that I saw, all of those have to do with the problem of evil and suffering all yeah. of those questions yeah. yeah and it was it really stood out to me how that question as an obstacle for getting to god stood head and shoulders above any other question that question uh, came out in different forms as you've just described there but essentially yeah. it is all that on that theme of evil and suffering and it showed me that um it's still the biggest question. It's still the biggest obstacle. So, therefore, I'm reflecting on how are we doing with our apologetic on evil and suffering? How are yeah. we you know, entering into the, to, to the pain of, of, of our young people and, and, you know, being able to pastor them and, 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 and lead them through that and show them how God is at work in that? You know, how where are we having those conversations around suffering and, and, and death and pain? Especially now, you know, when there's, so much death around us and on the news yeah you know yeah. with covid and all that kind of stuff you know and, yeah and for, big, for me as, huge, as huge you read still yeah as you read through the the feedback so uh as we conducted the research we left a lot of um, like a type your own answer kind of vibes in so that we could really hear what the young people were saying and actually a lot of it as well is around suffering of friends and family members. And so there seems to be this mesh of young people looking at the world around them and seeing pain and suffering. Uh, but then also very close personal pain and experience. So for example, one of the other answers given, uh, if you could ask one serious question, what would it be is why is that? Why, why is there cancer? Um, mm. there was another question, um, which was harrowing to read, uh, an answer given of um why did you let my mom die before my eyes you know some of this stuff that you're, you read it and your heart just aches and you think yeah this is this is real for you this is you know this mm. isn't just an academic exercise um it's almost like apologetics with 
blood and bones and you know I mean like flesh uh, mm. and, and and helping young people to process some of this stuff and where is God in that and and I think sometimes we as youth leaders have been really scared to have those conversations um I don't know that we've been good at providing spaces uh, to talk through painful narratives um and yeah. and what does that mean that God is loving and powerful and there yet there is this pain and the, the tension of that. Um. Uh, uh, yeah, and look, I, I think th- that what you're saying there is really important we, in that we shouldn't be afraid of the why questions, yeah. uh, of, the, of the why did God let that happen kind mm. of questions. I, I've, I just read Job again recently. Mm. And the thing that stood out to me this time in reading through it was that there are so many whys from Job. Mm. so many why questions um and he he's you know why god did you let this happen and and, and why this and why that you know i i circled all the whys yeah. as i went through because i noticed there were so many but yeah. what was interesting to me is that in all the whys mm. never he he what he never does is doubts doubt god's reality yeah and i think what's interesting to me is that um whilst job feels free to ask God why those things have happened. What he doesn't do is hold God to account for a promise that he never made. Yeah. And, you know, God has never, there's, there's no promise in the scripture mm. that we will not suffer. In fact, mm. in fact, the promise is actually the opposite, that, yeah. that we will. Um, and, and so that I think is why Job is able to, to hold those two things in tension because yeah. because he knows that as a as a follower of Jesus and just as a person living on this world that that's what he should anticipate and yet he's still not afraid of those big why why yeah. questions and i wonder yeah. if we can adopt that posture in our youth ministries mm. um with with the reality of the the character and nature of god underpinning all that we do we can yeah. we, we don't need to be afraid of of really wrestling with some of the big whys yeah and actually you know I think it's as you wrestle with those questions um, that that you that you you find some more solid answers, and, mm-hmm. and your your faith can be you know they're 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 strengthened as a result. Yeah, and I mean, I'm just processing it, just speaking, but I, I want to just share this stat and then process off the back of it. So so we went on to ask the young people, um, how would you describe God's character in three words? Mm. So they could put down three type three words. The top answer was powerful. Uh, 20% of young people said that, then kind, then loving, caring, good, forgiving, love, wise, strong, spiritual. There were some negatives in there for much further down around um, not real, non-existent, fake, made up. But the, 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 the higher percentage ones, sort of the top five were this good, loving, kind, caring, powerful. And so I, just as you were speaking then, I'm processing that young people understand this God as a God who 27% says he loves me, 20% say he is powerful, and yet they see the world around them. And so it's only natural to say, well, how come that? And then I see this. Mm. Uh, it, it's only the natural overspill, really, um, to do that. And so you then think, okay, well, as we present the gospel to young people who don't know God, what are we presenting them with? Uh, are we just presenting them with a powerful God who loves them? Both of which are completely true. Um, but actually, are we also presenting them with exactly what you said? Uh, that, and that, that, that doesn't remove you from the mm. pain, the suffering, the difficulty. Uh, and mm. as we share the gospel with young people, are we sharing the whole gospel with them? Are we sharing the highlights? Um, yeah, that's and in the long run, in yeah, the long run does that leave them with more questions? Right, yeah, because you know, just as you say that, I'm I'm just reminded that Paul's gospel was one of an invitation to share in Christ's sufferings. Yeah, and we were all in. Do you know what I mean? We were like, "Yes, sign me up." That sounds so much fun. Yeah, right. But like, <laughs> but honestly, just you know, I'm challenged even as you talk there because I don't think I've ever preached a gospel message about, "Hey, come and share in Christ's sufferings." I don't think I've ever done that. Yeah, no one's signing up to that party bus, are they? Yeah, but but you, your your challenge is correct. Like, are we pre- yeah. are we preaching? Are we sharing the full gospel? Yeah. You know, if we preach a gospel which has come to Jesus and all your problems will go away, then we cannot we cannot be surprised when uh, young people um, jump ship when when suffering comes their way. Yeah. But yeah. because 
you know that you know that's never been the promise of god and mm. um uh, we, we 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 mustn't feel like we have to apologize for the for the full gospel we mustn't feel yes. like we have to water it down no. and and it is an invitation to share in christ's sufferings yes but yet with his presence with us all, all, that's exactly all, all the way yeah yeah and, 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 and with a future hope of a new creation with no suffering and, and, pain yeah. and sickness and death yeah and if all young people hear from us is God is loving, God is powerful, and it, it, it automatically almost does separate God from what they see around them, mm. um, because they would obviously then, well, how can a God let this happen, rather than how can a God be with me in this? Um, it, it, it puts the two existence, in a sense, or well, obviously it's not two existence, um, against each other almost pits them against each other well how how can i see my family get ill um when there is this god who rather than saying yeah and god's the gospel is all of this the gospel is in and through and Mm. and the kingdom is all of this yeah as well yeah 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 big big questions you wanted to reflect on on the character of god or is that what you were just saying yeah no that's what i just pulled out Yeah. yeah yeah the loving kind powerful Okay, Mm. fantastic. Well, let's move on then to uh, prayer and experience. Prayer and experience is the next one. Um, And uh, there were some really, really interesting things to have come out of this. Now, we did delve into this a little bit in the last episode, didn't we? Yeah, we did a little. Um, But I think, yeah, there are some things here, I think, particularly about prayer and answered prayer, which were fascinating mm. to me. So again, yeah. give us the headlines. Uh, what did you learn about prayer and experience? Yeah, so I think as we've just been saying, that uh, what young people see and experience around them, uh, the narrative that they see and read in the world around them, really goes on to impact how they, not necessarily how they view God, the kind of, as in he still loves them, but they, they struggle to marry that narrative right. um, together. So that, that I think, uh, is, is a big deal. I think there was interesting feedback all the way through this equally around there's a lack of evidence and proof around science disproving God. So I think that's an interesting narrative uh, as well. Um, I think uh, there were a lot of young people that, again, just didn't know in a lot of these areas. Um, but I think particularly on what you touched on in terms of the narrative of prayer, um, there was a huge percentage of young people that said they didn't pray. And actually there were a lot more young people that say they don't pray now than said they didn't pray four years ago or three years ago when we last asked this question. So that, uh, that has got really gone down. So that's, a, that's, well, not, that's, a, that's not a positive trajectory in my no, mind. No, but, it, but it's interesting because it's interesting because that, that doesn't seem to correlate with this, what we were saying in the last episode about there seeming to be a great uh, interest in mm. God mm. Uh, and, uh, and, and the stat about young people wanting to know more had gone up. Yeah. But that doesn't so, seem yes. to correlate with young people well, praying here. It doesn't initially. But so, um, yes. So as you said, um, more young people said that they were interested in finding out more about God than they were four years ago, three years ago, and we asked the same question. Yet less young people pray. So 64% of young people said that they don't pray, 31% said that they do, and 5% said that they didn't know if they pray. Now, um, compare that 31% saying yes to, in 2017, 41% said yes, 51% said no, and 6% said that they prefer not to say. Sorry, so 64% of young people don't pray now, whereas um, it was 51%, 31% that they do, and it was 41%, sorry. Um, now, for me, I think some of this, I, if I look at the trajectory of young people's attention spans, young people who are constantly in front of phones, constantly in front of digital devices, it doesn't surprise me that they would be interested but not prayerful. Yes. Um, I think that we have less and less space for our mind to be unoccupied for reflective, meditative practice. Uh, I mean, what a young person will consider prayer is another interesting question. But even for young people to be mindful, let alone prayerful, uh, I think there is less and less space for that. So 
I actually think that this is more of a reflection on culture and uh, the fight for young people's attention than it is their spiritual interest, if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. And I, I just think that is what you've said there is so true and and just so profound as well i think distraction is the great tool of the enemy Mm. in this in this day um just distracting people from an awareness of the presence of god Mm. Uh, and i think you know i just i just wrote a a talk we're we're doing an online conference together you and i laura this week as we record and and in 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 the talk one of the things that i i said was i think in the new world uh the, the brave and courageous youth leader will give more attention to setting young people free from digital addiction than they will to creating digital content to grab their attention. Mm. Where actually the gravitational pull right now in our youth ministries is, you know, create this content, do this great YouTube series, you know, give them more things to engage with on their phone. I, I really think what you said is so profound because uh, just distraction is the enemy of spirituality, which, 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 which requires focus, which requires stillness. Mm. Um, so just, I just think that's such a key thing. And I don't want our, our, our listeners really um, to miss that observation. And, and, and it, you know, I want to ask that question, how are, we, how are we helping our young people maybe to engage in some of those, you know, ancient disciplines of yeah. prayer, fasting, Bible reading, silence, yeah. solitude, yeah. Uh, you know, that, that are so hard for young people with diminishing attention spans mm-hmm. you know, right mm-hmm. now because of, because of our devices. Just yeah. huge stuff, really profound stuff, and that's and really helpful. Do you know that, oh, man, there was a book I read, but I can't remember which book it is, so I can't even credit the author, but um, who you may, well, I'm sure you'll have read it and you may well be able to tell me. Someone was talking about electronic devices and phones and tablets and saying, actually, these are neutral, like phones and devices are neutral, but what they reflect is a magnification of what's going on inside of you. And so if you are... Um, a workaholic then your phone will magnify that by you always being on your work emails or and always being on your device answering emails if you um were somebody who at the end of a long day would go and hide in a shed down the garden or go in a garage then actually you might then become somebody who just sits on facebook and you're you are not present you're just not present in a different way and i think the interesting thing for me is not just young people are distracted and yes some of this is down to to addiction 100% but why are they and I think some of it is that they are not used to self-reflection and self-process and so Mm. they Mm. don't have to do that they've had a rubbish day they can distract themselves by being on their phones Um, and it it may well be that if phones weren't there they would be not self-reflecting in a different way but I think I think right. some of some of this is is that using your phone as a tool to engage you, not to disengage you. Um, and so, for example, um, there is some great stuff online around how you can meditate, how you can go through a prayerful spiritual experience, but your phone leading to greater presence and knowing when to switch that off as well, knowing when to draw a line and go right. I'm, I'm, you know, I am. I'm going to be fully present in this moment. It's, it's an interesting thing because I don't think we can, we can get to a place where we go, right, burn phones, burn tablets, we're going backwards. I don't, I don't think that will happen anytime soon. I don't think it necessarily won't ever happen, but I don't think anytime soon we're shutting down, you know, digital media. And I, I'm not sure that we should, but I do think there is something for young people to learn around self-management. And I actually think that the distraction in, by phones and electronic devices are that's exactly what they're avoiding is self-management self-process self-reflection yeah. um entertain yourself for long enough and escape for long enough you don't have to deal with the pain the difficulty the thoughts that you're dealing with that you don't want to have to think through yeah and, and i and i and I, I do hear what you're saying there i just think it's a it's a monumental task say for let's say a young person has um you know downloaded the new 24 7 prayer app where yeah. you can do meditation on scripture and Electro Divina, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Great, great tool, great tool. Mm. But it's almost impossible when that notification or that drop-down bar comes up saying that you've got a message from your friend, you know, a Snap or an iMessage or a WhatsApp or whatever. Mm. For, that, um, for that, A, 
for you a not to just close down that app and go to the other one so you can reply to the message mm. but even if you do manage to resist that temptation you have still been distracted from the process mm. so like for me i think and you may disagree and that's fine i think the only way that we can make that work is if we at least temporarily when we're trying to spend god time with god using our devices turn off all of our other notifications i just can't mm. see how it can work without yeah. that yeah. because the distraction is coming for you yeah. do you know what i yeah. mean it's yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. it's not passive it's aggressive it's yeah. it's it's visible it it makes a sound it you know yeah. you know what i'm saying yeah and all of this comes back to really the same thing of this is about self awareness self management and self discipline yeah and none of those things uh make me particularly excited but some things you just need to get a handle on um that i one of the things i'm going to be sharing at the same thing you said you're writing your talk for is around um is around self-discipline and actually you can't be a part of the solution if you're still a part of the problem yeah and so if we're wanting to a generation to stand up stand out kind of really follow jesus with all that they have then self-discipline is the way that you mold yourself back into the narrative that god is writing for this world um and so you you kind of curb some of those characteristics that and you know jesus helps you to do this um that would maybe you would naturally want to follow in order to be a part of a solution in a world and i think you as you say you you can't do that in a distracted manner mm. um yeah. but help it us helping young people not do you know what it's not even about us helping young people do it it's about us doing this as well because yeah. young people replicate what they see modeled um and so i think even in terms of our prayer lives are we praying you know 41% of young people said um you know they pray compared to the 31% that said then are, are we praying an extra 10 20% than we were 3 or 4 years ago you know it's this this starts with it being modeled by us as well um mm -hmm. and how we respond That's to right. That's right. the stuff going on around us yeah yeah so the moral of the story is you know if we want to see an increase in that stat in the next four years perhaps the the means to that is is helping us first of all and then mm -hmm. in turn our young people to you know self discipline and manage the distractions mm -hmm. in their lives yeah. and able to create space yeah. to be with Jesus and to learn how to be in his presence and, and to pray but i think there was something else that came out of this that for me was really fascinating Laura and that was how young people responded to answered prayer and i think this kind of will bring us full circle back to the conversation we had in the last episode as well so, yeah. so tell us tell us the stat about young people that had a prayer answered and and the impact that that had on them when they yeah. did yeah yeah okay so we'd said um just now as we were talking 31% of young people said that they prayed um 48% of those young people had said that they'd had a prayer answered um and then we said for those young people that do pray and had had a prayer answered did it change the way you viewed god or viewed prayer and 68% of those said yes that it had um we then asked the question around well how did it uh, change you how did that prayer being answered changed you uh 28% said it made me believe 14% said it strengthened my faith 8% it made me a better person uh, in a good or positive way it made me happier it made me um worship more often uh someone even said um it, it actually saved a loved one um so yeah when young people have had prayers answered it has a huge impact on them um i think the other significant thing around i mean we we kind of talked about digital engagement but of that 64% of young people not praying the amount of young people that i've spoken to that just don't even know how to like they don't know how to start praying they don't know what that would even mean or look like to them and so i think we as christians actually take for granted the fact that we would even know how to connect with god i think if you sit yeah. in front of a young person who has never had any church contact never had any contact with sort of god before um talking through a young person praying for the very first time is a really real privilege but it helps you to understand how far back people are on this journey mm. um and so i think there's all sorts of challenges in there uh, first of all how do we engage on people in prayer who have absolutely no idea or concept of it um how do we help young people to spot when their prayers have been answered so not just well i'll throw one up and then forget about it but how do we help them to track that and see it as an answered prayer um because when it 
is answered, it has absolutely massive repercussions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And also, you know, my, I think one of my reflections is when we are with our young people, how brave and courageous are we being about praying prayers that could be answered in that moment? Yes. Prayers for peace, prayers for healing, you know, physical, visible healing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, when the young person comes at to youth group and they've just you know they've sprained their ankle in PE yeah. that day what do we do do we sit them on a chair and put their feet up or do we say hey what you know I believe in a in a God who heals would you let me would it be okay if I prayed with you and yeah. just ask God to heal that and then you know stand up and see what you know because yeah. that will have a yeah and, and that's why I say it brings us back full circle to what we said in the last episode about spiritual experience and the place mm-hmm. of in, in, encounter you know yeah. that 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 prayer being answered will have a significant impact on on the faith journey of a young person. Yeah, and I think it's an interesting question for us as youth leaders is why don't we do that? Is it that we just don't think about it? Um, Because that's interesting uh, to dig Mm. into that. Is it that we don't believe that God will do it? Not because of necessarily how we view God, but possibly more likely how we view ourselves. Like God doesn't Mm. use me for that. Yeah, or um, we've or we've tried it before and we've been burned. Didn't work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is it because we wouldn't know how? So I think um, I do think it's a, it's a very exciting journey to to offer to pray for healing for someone who doesn't know Jesus. Um, it's an exciting journey to pray for someone who does, but to try and explain Jesus healing you and all that kind of thing to somebody who doesn't know Jesus, I would be really interested just in a poll of people. Uh, of youth workers who would be comfortable right now being in front of a young person and leading that through. Mm. Um, mm. I think then take that and say, well, okay, how many of you guys have you then encouraged your young people to be doing that and explain to your young people how to do that? Not just in a ministry time, uh, at the so end good. of a festival, so but uh, uh, over your sandwich at lunchtime in a sports yeah. club in a, you know, how do we, how do we make this supernatural thing, this connecting with God thing, just really, really normal for people? Yeah. yeah my brother-in-law he is, in, is in youth ministry and he, he tells a story of how, um, uh, there was a, a young person that he was working with and um you you know it's the whole kind of leg growing thing i guess people yeah. will be familiar when somebody's got a bad back and their back is like twisted a little bit and you, you yeah. have their legs and that like, one is longer than the other and you've prayed for it and you've watched as god has healed their back and you know visibly before your eyes the the leg has grown well my brother-in-law tells a story of how one of the young people he was working with um they prayed for that young person mm. and um and it happened for them they they got healed and they felt it and they saw it in the youth group mm. this young person goes into school the next week and gets all of her friends to sit against the wall yes. to see if any of them <laughs> have got one leg shorter than the other Brilliant. and like one like whoever does one by one she prays for them and calls them like yes. in the classroom yeah. Right yeah. There. and yeah. i'm like come on let's yeah. have some of that yeah. you know? yes yeah, yeah. But, but it's like you say, Laura, we got to model that. We got to have yeah. the faith for that. We got to, because what yeah. happened for that young person is they experienced something in their youth group, yeah. which they were able to translate into yeah. their context of school and their, and yeah. their, and their friendship group. So, yeah. you know, what are we stepping out for? Uh, what are we praying for that? Are, are we praying those audacious prayers that we, yeah. Uh, and, and for me, that's exactly, it's about expectation. What are we actually expecting God to do? Yeah. My concern is that we are expecting far too little of God. Um, Come on. Come I think uh, we have similar stories in our youth club of where we've had totally unchurched young people. We've prayed for them. They've been healed. And so you've got this kid who doesn't, in theory, know Jesus and is in this prayer room, then praying for healing over his mates. Who, and yeah. then he's seeing them healed, but he's not really a Christian. And it's this so good. mess. Uh, and the next week, all these kids are coming in going, you healed this kid last week. I want some of that. And you're kind of dealing with this absolute carnage. Um, but I remember hearing that story and, and two main feelings. One, if I'm honest, of surprise and going, mm. wow, God did that. That's cool. And I'm ashamed that that was my reaction mm. to that. But mm. my second mm. um, response was 
like FOMO. Oh, oh my gosh, I wasn't in the room for that. Man, <laughs> I, I want to be in that story. Yeah. Um, but I think that that is the story we're called to. And that is the story that yeah. our young people are called to and helping them to do that responsibly, safely, all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But unless we as youth leaders know how to be a part of that ourselves, then we can't pass it on to another generation. Yeah, really, really great. So, so good. Well, Laura, just one more thing then before we before we wrap up this this conversation, and that uh, is is about key key influences. Um, yeah. And I just want to just focus in on this one, if it's okay. Um, you, you asked, you know, who who influences what you believe? Yeah. Um, top answer with fifty five percent was your family. Yes. Thirty two percent were your friends. Yeah. And somewhere down there, <laughs> with just four percent, was was us youth workers. Yeah. What's that telling us? I mean, I've got some thoughts about that, but I'm interested. Just to in encourage yours. you, the church was at one percent, so we're okay. <laughs> we're, up, we're up on the church. Um, so, uh, well, you know, uh, what I'm going to say is that I don't think everybody has a youth worker. I don't yes. think everybody has a church, but everybody has family. Um, to well, Laura, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to stop you there. I'm going to stop you there because what I think what you just said is so, so important. Not everyone has a youth worker, but everyone has a family. Um, but also it, for everyone who does have, everybody who does have a youth worker spends a lot more time with their oh, family than yes. with their youth worker. And I, I think I've been arrogant enough to believe in the past that I can disciple somebody two hours a week. Yeah. Or that yeah. I can have more influence on somebody's faith journey two hours a week than somebody yeah. who's with them yeah. essentially twenty four seven. We yeah. we have got to reevaluate that, and we've mm. got to think about. Well, I think there's two things here. I'd be interested for you to speak to. One is equipping or supporting Christian parents in discipling their kids. Yeah. The other is what about those young people whom we serve who aren't from Christian families? Yeah. What do you think? Um, so I think, uh, I cannot remember the piece of research. There's a piece of research out there where parents were asked what they thought their influence was over their children. And I remember the stat was tiny. Families do not understand the spiritual influence that they hold over their, over their, their kids. Um, mm. now equally, it, the question was who influences the way you think about God and spirituality? Um, Young people are influenced by their family, and just as a caveat, it doesn't necessarily mean whether they're influenced positively or negatively. It just depends on the family. Um, but I think, uh, I think we, I think it's interesting you use the word arrogant. I think we as youth leaders have seen ourselves as the heroes uh, for a long time, and I think that it's a kind of probably more of as an event, an Avengers Assemble kind of model than like a, <laughs> and like a Hulk or Captain America kind of deal. I think we were not designed to be disciples solo. And um, I think a part of this is communication with parents. I think, um, you know, we, ironically as well, often if there is a family's worker in a church, it's the children's worker, children and families. Um, but, I think this is a wraparound thing. This is communication. This is helping parents to know what it is that you're teaching their kids, what it is. And especially, you know, so this piece of research was actually done at the beginning of the year. This is before Corona. And so now that young people have spent four or five months locked in close proximity to their family, that this stat mm. will only be higher. Yeah. And yeah. so I think um, how much time do we put into communicating with family, enabling family, giving tools to parents to be talking to their kids about things of faith and Jesus and helping, even just helping them to understand the influence that they have, I think is a really important thing. Um, yeah, it's huge. And I think the it's interesting that you would say around unchurched family because we have had a mix of experiences where we have had young people come to youth group whose family are totally against church. And we've had parents who uh, don't come to church, aren't Christians, but recognize the role that a church plays in a young person's life is, is significant. Mm. And so whilst they aren't necessarily attending, they will do all that they can do to get their kid into that space because they right. recognize the effect that it has. 
Um, and so even in this season, we have numerous families of young people who have, who, who have stuck with us in this season of virtual youth work because we are in conversation with those unchurched parents and the parents see that we in their mind care more than just about whether the kids reading the bible or not we're there if they've got mental health issues they're that you know we we want to care for them if they're struggling with something we want to care for them and i think um parents don't need to be followers of jesus in order to see that actually what the church what the youth provision provides is something that is beneficial to a young person's life and we have had countless opportunities and examples of where families have come to faith because their child has come yeah. to church but um even when they don't it doesn't mean that you can't be influencing the influencers uh and and helping young people come to know jesus and just to say on this stat and i don't know whether you caught this tim when you looked at the stats um i think that we think social media and YouTubers are huge influences on young people. In our statistics, when we asked who influences the way you think about God and spirituality, only 9% of young people said influence us on social media. Mm. And so I think that is where parents, I think, often feel that the influence is on their young people. I do think they influence them, probably more culturally than spiritually, but in yeah. terms of their spiritual development, that, it's, yeah, it's, it's their family. Well, uh, Laura, let me tell you something I've been thinking about this because it is, it, I mean, it, it is, I think, a totally, um, I mean, I, I don't want to say this because it's like buzzword, but it, yeah. it is kind of a paradigm shift in terms of some of my thinking. Uh, uh, and that is this, when we, when we talk about youth ministry, we have a, we come to that conversation with a solid preconception about what that is. Mm. Um, which is almost immovable, right? And that is that youth ministry essentially is a mono-generational group mm. of young people, usually between the ages of 11 and 18, in some form of gathering together, right? Yeah. That, and, and, and all of the conversations that we then have about youth ministry and about our practice is based mm. on that premise, of a kind of a mono-generational group. But I've been asking the question, and, you know, this stat is, I guess, feeding into that. Mm. What if that's not the best way to disciple yeah. young people, right? Mm. And what if that's not the best way to, to, to reach young people with the gospel? And, and what if the future is multi-generational, mm. more so than it has been? And what if the future is more about kind of raising up spiritual parents than it is about creating spiritual programs for a kind of single a single group of mm. uh, or, or a, mono, a monogenerational group mm. so i've been thinking about this for a little while and then i'm going to read you something laura um because it'd be interesting just to see what you think i i read this just the other day um subsequent actually to some of my thinking about this this is from a guy called reggie mcneil and he he writes this and i've he, he write he it, it really grabbed my attention because the heading was from age segregation to age integration. And it's quite a provocative thought, but he says this, the program-driven church has created separate generational silos in the church experience, from worship services to religious education to activities, even community service and mission engagements. It's quite possible for families in the program church not to share any common experiences during a day at church. This may keep consumers busy, but it doesn't do a thing for people's development. And then he says this, people often grow more in intergenerational environments. That's why God created families. We come into this world and we learn our most fundamental life lessons from an intergenerational setting. There is something profoundly abnormal going on when spirituality is detached from this natural dynamic. And that really grabbed my attention. And it's not to say that I you know, necessarily agree with every word of that, but it certainly yeah. stirred my thinking. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I, don't have, I haven't nailed this. I haven't landed the answers. But, I, I, you know, the, the, whole, the whole thing of youth ministry being 11 to 18, right, that is not a biblical premise. No. So it's not, don't mishear me, it's not a unbiblical premise. Mm. but nor is it a biblical one so it's kind of a biblical right yeah what is biblical is making disciples of all nations mm. and generations so i'm just really 
grabbed with this idea right now if what if there is a what if there is a different approach that is more multi-generational than mono-generational and what if that could could be you know on the basis of this stat and other things potentially even a more effective way mm. of discipling young people mm. so it's a big thought uh, what do you think mm, it's fascinating isn't it because the concept of teenager is a relatively new concept um yeah. te- teenagers haven't been around for that long in some ways um it is fascinating i i do you know just as i'm sat processing i would be fascinated to see an adult's response to that um mm. because I, I wonder whether um christians who want you know yeah how, how you would pitch the teaching how you would the practicalities of that would be fascinating i think mm. the the an unchurched person coming into that environment what they would mm. make of that would be fascinating I, and would you still have age appropriate spaces yeah um where even you safeguarding about, you know yeah, practically would yeah, be a challenge yeah, wouldn't it yeah it would where you know and, and are there spaces where you talk about the challenges of parenting where you talk about yes you know sex and relationships and virginity and all of this stuff and school. But then there are, yeah school exams pressure digital media blah 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 and then and then times when you come back together and it's kind of this rather than this boundaried thing this kind of uh, much more of a, a cell a kind of living yeah. kind of entity yeah. that, that moves and changes in a, in a sort of a community and if you look back to you know jewish biblical culture it was much much more that way inclined wasn't it it was <laughs> much more family orientated and much more a part of a community's cultural identity and, and and god had a lot to say around community and culture in the bible um and yes, yeah, so, so you just wonder whether there are there are spaces where this could leak a little in a mm. good way, like where yeah. there are there are spaces where you can be you and you can be age appropriate, but there are spaces where we learn together and we listen together. Mm. Um, it will be fascinating how some of maybe the adults' mindsets of young people in our church would change if they spent a little more time with them, for example. Yeah, um, and, and to the point of like like the adults like you know like us learning and receiving teaching well here's the thing laura i learn the most and i think this is probably the case for everybody uh i I learn the most deeply about something when i have to deliver some kind of teaching around it so whether that's Mm. a lecture or a preach Mm. or a bible study Mm. um because it's forced me to to do the reading to do the study to get under the skin of it and and to try and own it for myself Mm. right Mm. um now so imagine if we had a a a kind of model of youth ministry where which was about spiritual parents Mm. and and that adults like you and i in in the way that we orientate ourselves in a family considered ourselves as spiritual parents who were Mm. there to raise up a next generation of disciples right Mm. um and so therefore our uh, our gathering as church wasn't about us coming as a consumer to receive something from someone else mm. but it was about us giving something to someone in a younger generation right that's how family mm. operates mm. but the but it but what that doesn't do is um circumvent the learning of the adult in fact no. it, it it increases it because in order for them to do that they have to learn it much more and mm. much more deeply than they would just by sitting and listening to somebody say something to them. You know what I mean? Mm. Mm. So, so again, I don't have answers f- for this, no. but no. I'm just, I'm, I'm really wrestling with all these ideas. And, and, and I, and I, th- and I think just what I want to encourage our listeners to do as they engage with the research, you know, and listen to the podcast today is, is, <laughs> I guess to be limitless <laughs> in, yeah. in that way. And, 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 you know, the, 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 we, we, we work within the, the, the limits of scripture, uh, mm. not within the, the paradigms that we've just established because it's the way it's been over the years, right? Yeah. And if, if there is another way, a better way, a, a supplementary, complementary way, let's give it a go, yeah? Let's, mm. just, let's, let, let's try because it, it, if, it's not, if it's neither commanded nor prohibited in the scripture, then, hey, you know, why, why, not, why not have a go? But certainly, you know, the thing about becoming spiritual parents and raising spiritual parents in some form yeah you know again and again and again that's where that's where the stats show as it has again in this 
that that the, mm. the core of spiritual development happens yeah and so yeah how do we equip parents to be disciplers how do we raise up spiritual parents to disciple young people who are not in christian homes i think yeah. those are two really really big questions and we may yeah. just need to reposture our youth ministries i think mm. around engaging in those two questions as well yeah that's huge isn't it to process yeah. yeah big well laura we, this has been mm. a fascinating conversation and i'm sure <laughs> that we've given uh, we've given youth leaders more questions than answers oh, i have no um, doubt but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so sorry about that uh, everyone listening um laura before we finish one more time just remind people how they can get hold of the full research so they can do their own wrestling with some of these questions yeah sure so if you go to yfc.co.uk forward slash faith and spirituality then uh, yeah it's all it's all there so you can go and you can go and have a look at the, the book that you can you can buy and it's all in there fantastic well laura thank you for being on the podcast again absolutely pleasure. Uh, and thank you to you and to everyone at youth for christ for for commissioning this research and, and for making it uh, available to us it, it, it's so helpful to us as youth workers and and thank you for who you are laura as well and everything that you that you bring uh, to me and to the limitless team and you know to youth ministry youth leaders in the church much more broadly we, we just want to say that we really love you we really appreciate yeah. you thanks tim that's kind and to all of you guys who are listening today you are heroes thank you so much for everything that you are doing to invest in the lives of 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 young people where you are and i know that the reason you've been listening to this podcast today is because you are intent on doing it better and so we just want to say thank you the smile of god is over your over your life and we know laura don't we that it's not always easy we know there are hard days and bad days with youth ministry we want to say to all of you guys listening keep going don't give up what you're doing is so so important i can hardly think of anything more important you could give your life to than passing on the gospel to the next generation so bless you guys as you do it and as you give your best for jesus and young people and we will see you again next time on the limitless leadership podcast But before that, we'd love to see you at Limitless Oxygen on the 10th of October. Uh, A fantastic training opportunity for youth and children's ministry teams. Head over to limitlesselim.co.uk forward slash oxygen to register your place and get yourself booked in for the training. I'll look forward to seeing you there. God bless everyone.